Amen. Thank you, Kelly and Tom and Jen for playing this morning. My name is Mike Geary. I'm the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God, to love people, and uh, to build disciples who grow in, who walk in grace, who grow in their faith, who gather in groups to explore how they can use their gifts to generously serve in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. So we have worshipped uh, through gathering, just the very nature of coming together and being with one another and, and exposing our lives to each other for the sake of Christ and His glory is in itself an act of worship. We also worship through singing. Uh, the, the musicians just led us in, in a time of song, and, um, and that is a way that we worship through, singing about who God is and what He's done. Uh, we also worship through the giving of our tithes and our offerings, uh, stewarding what has been given to us. And uh, in a little bit, we'll worship through the listening of the proclamation of God's Word. And uh, before we do that, we're going to enter into a time of communion. And um, communion is a, is a special kind of, of worship. It's a different way of, of worshiping. You, know, you think, so I can eat? And, and that's worship? Like... I mean, you know, like here in the West, I mean, come on, like that's like, is that anybody else excited about that? You know, like, oh yeah, I can worship through eating. Cool. Yeah, that's, that sounds very American. Um, but it's actually global and it's, it's far greater than that. And uh, the last time that Jesus and his friends were together, they shared a meal. And this was a meal that, that had been shared by people for thousands of years. And it was about the way that that it was to help them remember that God had delivered them. We sang earlier about how you know we we worked our fingers down to the bone. That's that's Exodus language for literally the people had worked like have you ever worked so hard that you got calluses on your hands? Like these people were working so hard the bones were exposed. Can you imagine the type of slavery where it's I mean we're getting down to the bones is our wound. And the Lord delivers his people from that. And and in this so this meal was to remember that that the Lord had delivered these people from a type of slavery that had him working down to the bones. And in this new meal, as, as Jesus is gathered with his friends, and we're going to read some words from Scripture in a little bit to talk a little bit more about it, but as Jesus gathers with his friends, he breathes new life into this meal. And says that not only are you free from the type of slavery that works you down to the bones, you're free from the slavery that seeks to destroy your soul. Through my death and through my resurrection, I'm I'm giving you an invitation that as we gather and scatter, you get to go out and bring this invitation, this hope to a lost and dying world around us. So the reason that we, we all partake of this meal together is that it shows that we're in support of one another and it's kind of a reaffirmation that we're entering into and continually dying to the way of life that will allow that freedom of our soul. And that will allow us to work not for our glory, but for God's glory. To advance not our kingdom, but God's kingdom. And so the way that we prepare for this meal, because uh, you know, we look at it and we go, okay, like this should be pretty easy. I mean, uh, we've got some recyclable cups and doesn't look like there's going to need to be a dish for the bread. Uh, so it should be pretty straightforward, right? We've got some gluten-free crackers and some juice. Pretty simple. Uh, you know, this is a nice, not a lot of dishes, not a lot of oven time. Going to keep it pretty, pretty low-key. 
But the way that we prepare for this is we're going to take a few moments to just think about who is God and what is He doing in my life. And, and thinking about who is Jesus and what is the way that He lived His life. And who is the Holy Spirit? And how is the Holy Spirit working in my life so that I may greater reflect what God is doing and what Christ has done? And in a room this large, I'm not so naive to believe that everyone in here understands or believes what I'm saying. And so if you're just in here and you're just kind of kicking the tires around and you're not really sure what this whole Jesus church Christianity thing was about, uh, I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for coming and and spending some time with us. You're in a good place around good people. And so we're going to take some time in silence to reflect on this, of who God is and what He's done, who is Jesus, and how is and, and how does my life and His life kind of how is my life starting to look more like His life? And who is the Holy Spirit? And how is the Holy Spirit working in my life to to do that? And and if you're just kind of going, I don't really know what's going on, just take this time to ponder those questions and to and to think about that. And we do this in hopes that, that the Holy Spirit will convict us of the ways that we have not lived like Christ in this last week. The Holy Spirit will also confirm the ways that we have lived like Christ so that we can better convey this gospel message to the world around us. And if you look around, there's, there's some little people in here. And, and little people sometimes make noise. And you know, we say, oh, time of silence, little people are going to make noise. This is kind of weird. No, it, this is... We're learning. This is a learning process. And so, we who are mature, we have patience with others, do we not? As they learn. And so, we're going to spend some time in silence, and if, and if kids make noise, that's okay. We're not going to shame little kids, and, uh, and parents don't need to feel bad about when their little kids make noise. This is a learning process. We're all growing together in faith. That's what communion is about. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to enter into a time of silence. And then as you're ready, there's, there's a lot of areas in our life where we're structured and guided by the clock. This is not one of those times. As you are ready, come forward, grab the elements, go ahead and bring them back to your seat. And then once everyone has, has grabbed the elements, I'll come back up, I'll read some words from Scripture, and we'll all partake of the meal together. Um, And so parents will leave it up to you to decide whether or not your kids are ready uh, for communion. And we practice what is called open communion. So if you're a guest here with us today, you're not a member of this church, as long as you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to come to the table and we invite you to do so. So Father, um, we thank you for orchestrating this meal. We'll read uh, soon in Ephesians about how you have constructed life from the foundation of, before the foundation of the world. And Jesus, we thank you for this invitation and we, we sang songs about you knew the great and terrible cost, but you went to the cross all the same. And Holy Spirit, we know that you awaken our stone-cold hearts and you enliven our dulled minds. And so, Holy Spirit, would you quiet our, our hearts and still our minds Open our ears and our eyes to hear what you are doing and to see, um, see the way that your kingdom is unfolding before us. We ask that we be convicted of, of that which we should be convicted about, confirmed in, in the ways that, uh, that we are doing well, that we better convey your gospel and your hope and your coming kingdom to the world around us.
as Jesus and his friends had gathered for that final meal. Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and when he gave it to them, he gave them thanks. He said, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this covenant, that it is more than a contract, but it is something that you have signed, sealed, and delivered to us. And that we would remember and live this meal as a symbol to the world around us. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some uh, blue bins that are going to make their way around. Feel free to pitch your cups in there and uh, we will recycle them for you. So we're going through the book of Ephesians and uh, feel free to, if you have a paper Bible, go ahead and pull that out. We will be in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 4. We're going to read 3 through 14, but we're going to be in Ephesians 1 chapter 3 through 14 if you have a mobile device and uh, you can feel free to pull that out if you'd like to follow along there or the words will be displayed on the screen uh, behind me. Ephesians is a New Testament book, so it's kind of in the latter third of a paper Bible. And if, as you're flipping through, you'll see Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, you know, Acts and Romans, and you get into some smaller ones. And if you start hitting Galatians, you keep going a little bit more to the right and you'll hit Ephesians. And then um, if you start getting into like Philippians and uh, Colossians and some titles with some letters and, or some numbers in front of it, just keep heading back to the left and you'll find Ephesians. And uh, we've got Mr. Seth Spiegel is going to come up and read that for us this morning. And uh, Seth is going to read 3 through 14. You might be thinking, Mike, did you, you said 3 and 4, what, how did we get 10 more verses? Um, well, this is a, uh, when Paul wrote this, this is actually in the original language, this is just one big long sentence. And since context is important and we don't, you know, if you've ever been in a conversation where someone takes a little bit of what you said and then they kind of misconstrue it and it doesn't make any sense with the rest of the conversation, we don't want to do that when we read the scripture. And so uh, we're just going to read the whole thing so we kind of have an idea of what Paul is talking about uh, as we look at just three and four today. So Seth, whenever you're ready. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite uh, all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that he, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Amen. Thank you, Seth, and thank you, Lord, for your word and its preservation and uh, that we're able to freely read of it and, and speak about it this morning, and we pray for uh, your church where in parts of the world where that is not the case. Amen. Okay, kids, this is the part of our service where you head out toward this door, and uh, Leah and Kayla and Pam and Karen and Rachel have a great lesson planned for you all this morning, and so Lord, we thank you for these kids, and we thank you for the service of Leah and Kayla and Pam and Karen and Rachel and Sandy. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, we as a community would be uh, people who live a life that, um, that demands an explanation and that we live a life that shows maturity and faith that these kids would grow up to look more and more not like us, but like you. And we know that it is not a second-class occupation to care and teach them, and so we pray that we would take this seriously. Amen. I used to help out with this church that they, uh, it was kind of an older dying church and we went down and did some service projects, whatever else. And, and, uh, they had some younger families that moved in this neighborhood. And I mean, we're talking like I mean, most of the people in this community were above 75. So like they were, they were getting up there in age and that was like on the young end. And, uh, this family came in, brought a kid and their baby is just crying throughout the service. And, uh, and I was talking to the pastor about it later, and he just said like there were just these people in the front row that were just weeping, and they're they're all talking about it later. And he's like, "Well, you know, what what's the deal? You know, like why why were you so sad?" And they're just like, "We never thought that we would hear life in this church again, and that that sound of of the kids crying and making noise was a symbol of life and vitality." So, so praise God for kids and. Uh, all the uh, the energy and, and ruckus that they bring. Um, eulogies, that's a different thing to talk about. I, I learned something this week. I, I've never, so you, you know, eulogies is, that's, I just thought that was something that you did at a funeral. Um, and I learned that it's, what it means is, is it means to speak well of someone. I thought, well, that's really weird that we wait until someone's dead to speak well of them. Like, why, why do we do that? Like, you know, like, why don't we speak well of and to people while they're alive? And then in, in preparing for, for this week, I learned that this big, long, run-on sentence of Paul, I think in the original language, which I don't speak and can't read and just have to trust that the people I'm reading know what they're talking about, it's like 202 words long. I'm not an English major, uh, but I think that that's probably an overuse of commas. And I probably would have been, you know, kind of docked points had I used a 202-word sentence in an English paper while I was in high school. And uh, But what this is, is this is a type of greeting that Paul uses uh, to, to speak well of God. It's the same, it's a eulogy, but it's, it isn't for someone who's dead, it's for someone who's very much alive, and it's this idea to speak well of God. And uh, so it just... 
totally struck me. So Paul in this, in, so we read 3 through, through 14, and we're just going to talk about just 3 through 4 today. Um, so just we're going to be in, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, as even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. So that's, that's all we're talking about this morning. But within the whole scope, as I said, we're gonna, you know, we always want to make sure that we're gonna, even when we get microscopic, when we really hone in on, on just these smaller chunks in Ephesians, that we want to make sure that we're viewing it within the realm of Scripture. Uh, so that means we're within, it's, you know, that within the 202 word paragraph, within the book itself, within the New Testament, within the Old Testament, within the whole great story and glory of God. And so, I want to just take a moment and just imagine that, you know, I don't know I ask you all to do this a lot, but imagine that you're there in the first century, okay? And um, imagine that you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, so a Jewish person reading and, and, and hearing these words, and and you start to and you think about blessing, and you see this word bless, and and what might you start to think about? Uh, if you were here last year, we did this thing called casket empty. We went through this overview, and and it was kind of a way to remember the the timeline of scripture. And so we get you know casket was creation. We talked about the creation of the world and and the way that uh, you know the Lord kind of knit everything together. And we got into the next part of the story is, is Abraham, and and Abraham. You might start to think about this guy Abraham and how he was given this blessing in Genesis 15. So if you if you want to reference this later, you want to read the full story. Check out Genesis 15, and and so what he's what's happening here is is the Lord chooses to bless Abraham, right? And and he doesn't it isn't because Abraham is a really great guy. It's because God is great, and so. And so he decides, I'm going I'm to bless Abraham and then I'm going to use him as a conduit to show my glory to the world around him. And so he, you know, and, and Abraham's like, well, how are you going to do this? And he's like, oh, and, and he, so he takes, takes Abraham. So I want you to just imagine that you're Abraham, right? And so Abraham and his wife Sarah, they're having some fertility issues. And uh, back in that day, to know that you had that God had blessed you was to you know you had material wealth, and some of that material wealth was that you had a big family. And so Abraham's getting up there in years, and they're well past childbearing years, and they don't have any kids. And so he's like, God, I don't, I don't know if you know how this works down here, but I ain't blessed, and this isn't happening anytime soon. And the Lord takes him, gets him up at night, brings him outside. We've got this picture. If we can bring up this picture of the stars, and uh, and so, so Abraham, uh, so God brings Abraham out of his tent, and he says, "Abraham, I want you to look up at the stars." He says, "Your descendants are going to outnumber the stars that you can see." This is a picture that uh, that our very own Chris Griffith took, and um, I'm not a math major, but I think there's a lot of stars up there. And so, imagine that that you're. You're Abraham, and you're not really sure how this is all going to play out. And then God brings you out underneath the night sky and says, Look up, and let this be a constant reminder of my goodness and my promise to you 
that your descendants will outnumber the stars. And so, and so that's the kind of blessing that, that the people of Israel have kind of been thinking about in the context that they'd been in uh, for the next few thousand years. And so if, if you're a, a member of the nation of Israel and, and Paul is talking to you about blessing, you might be thinking about you know, these, these descendants and this material blessing and the coming of the kingdom of, of David and you know, this kind of restoration sort of thing in this very in-space sort of place. Now, if you were a Gentile, uh, you might be thinking of, of something else. We also the, the, we've been looking at Artemis. If we could bring up the Temple of Artemis again, uh, if you don't remember, so again, let's let's remember that that's all marble. That's got 127 columns. It's 425 feet long. That's longer than than a football field, whether you mean American football or European football. And if it were in Brainerd today, it would be the third tallest building in town. And that was made 2,500 years ago before we had you know, really cool cranes and stuff like that. So quite a sight to behold. And uh, so religiously, I mean, start thinking about things like, you know, if you've been to Minneapolis, uh, some of the basilicas and the cathedrals down in the Twin Cities. So think about, you know, that, that's going to hold some spiritual weight. Speaking of weight, this also was the largest bank in Asia Minor. So think Fort Knox and the basilica put together, and that's the kind of blessing that the, that the Gentile world to whom Paul is writing about is thinking. That's, so that's the context that we're, that we're looking at. But then Paul writes about this spiritual blessing. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, what is, what is that? Is that like fruits of the Spirit? Is this the Beatitudes that we read about in Matthew like a year ago? Like what, what are these spiritual blessings? And, uh, and then you know, I mentioned that you know, context is important and to see kind of the greater picture. So when, when Paul is writing this, um, he's in chains. He's in jail. But he's, but he's sitting there praising God. Why? Because the spiritual blessing that he has received and that and is given to you and to myself is the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God. The same Spirit that was there when the stars were created. The same Spirit that was there uh, to count Abraham's righteousness. The same Spirit that was inspiring Paul to write these words. That same Spirit is alive with you, in, within you and me and those who call themselves believers. And so the spiritual blessing is it's the same spirit. And then it also gives us something about the, the location. We go, okay, so these it's in the, in the heavenly places, which means that it's from someplace greater for someone greater. And so as we think about this, we say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Can you, can you just hear the praise that Paul is giving? He says, it's, it's not about what I can get. It's about what I've been given. He says, I'm not looking, you know, too often I think we, we sometimes look for, you know, we want to have the affirmation that, you know, we're, we're blessed because we have something. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. You're blessed because you've been given something. You're blessed because the Spirit lives 
within you. The same Spirit that unites the church is the Spirit that is living within you. And now we get to the the fun word. So even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. If you've spent some time in the church, there uh, this word chose can sometimes cause people to prickle a little bit. And if you read this and you're totally cool with that word and you just roll on, praise God, just keep keep on keeping on. But for some of us, this this brings up some tension and there's some some various theological tripping points and, and some tension there. But again, this is where context comes into play. Because as we read through Ephesians, and as we read through the first three chapters, and as we read through this eulogy, this God, this, you know, this, these words about Paul praising God for who he is, sometimes we think about, oh, well, did he, did he choose me and, and not others? And, and is there a certain number? And how do we know if we're chosen? And, and, and we ask all these questions of ourselves and about our personal salvation. And, and it's not about you. It isn't about you. It's about God. This reveals so much more about the character and the nature of God than it does about us. See, Artemis was a, was a God who needed to be appeased and who could be bought off. The more, the more cash and coin and goods that you, and, and services that you put before Artemis, the more you're to be blessed. But before we could do anything positively or negatively to influence God and His decision, He chose. He's active and moving toward His people and continues to extend this invitation to come and drink from the water of life. And we'll see that all the way through into the, into the yet to come in Revelation 22. When He says, come all, drink from the water of life. And so this idea of choose shouldn't bring joy or shouldn't shouldn't bring confusion, but should bring joy. Because after all, we've been created in the image of God. To be and, and God is holy and blameless, and so we have been called to be holy and blameless. The message in Ephesians is to be distinct. Not to be different, to be different, you know, just for difference sake. I remember when I was a teenager, there was, you know, it's like you're trying to find your place, and if you couldn't fit in or or be the best at whatever you were, it was like, well, I'm just going to be weird. And and we'll see how that works. Anybody else play that game, or or everyone else was just a bunch of champions at life? Yeah, right? You know, we're just like, if I can't, if I can't be be the be distinct by being the best, I'll just be distinct by being weird. And God isn't saying, hey, don't be weird, be who I've created you to be. Don't put your stock and your worth and your value in, in what the world is saying, but, but be who I've created you to be. Be holy and be blameless. This isn't about shame. Because we don't worship to get. We worship because we've been given. Because we've, we have received. Because God is so great, He has given us the spiritual blessing of union in Christ through the Spirit, and we have the opportunity to take the stage with God in the redemption of the world. So when we think about the heavenly places, 
And we, th- and we read this passage and we read just the continual, you know, the, the, the rest of the, the paragraph. And, and we notice something that we're on a stage, but we're not on the center of the stage. We're taking part in this story where God is going out and He's trying to redeem His world through His people. And we're invited to take part in that story. And the, the, very, the blessings and the union that are in Christ in the heavenly places are to be brought down to earth. His kingdom come, His will be done. And so we're, we're being called and given the opportunity and the invitation to gather together, to scatter out, and go to bring the heavenly places and the spiritual blessings to the world around us. And so, what are we to do in light of this? As we read about this great God who is, who is blessed because He is blessed. And, and we read about God that, that has chosen His believers as the conduit and, the, and the, the way that He's going to redeem the world. And He calls us to be holy and blameless. Not so that we can show ourselves better, but so that we can show God as better. God as great. So what are we to do about this? Well, in this case, Paul exemplifies what we're to do. We read last week about you know, how we have been, um, in, in verse, verse 2, it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So what are we to do when we hear grace and peace from God our Father? What, is, what does Paul do? He speaks well of God. He eulogizes. He praises and so we praise by being holy and blameless. And, it, and, and when we praise God, this needs to become less and less about our personal salvation story, less and less about our church experience story, and more and more about God's glory. More and more about God's story. And if we, if we don't do this, what happens is we end up just reducing God to this cosmic sugar daddy, kind of the, the vending machine God that Artemis was where, well, if I, if I, if I give it, if I, the more I give, the more I get, right? You know, if, if two of us are wanting the same different things, you know, Andrew talked about the chiefs and the Vikings. Well, does that mean that just the Vikings fans didn't, we didn't put in enough into the coffer and the chiefs did. So therefore they get to go to the playoffs. No, God isn't like that. God is just and God is fair. And God is holy. And so it isn't by how much we, it isn't a contractual relationship. It isn't, well, I give you this, therefore you must give me that. We read about in, in Genesis 15 where God and Abraham have this conversation where he shows him the stars. And then Abraham goes to bed that night and he has this dream and he sees that uh, it, was, it was common where you would, you'd cut a covenant where it literally meant it was, you'd, you'd you know, sacrifice these animals or whatever else. And then you'd both walk through, but in, in the vision that, that God gives Abraham, only God goes through. And so it's not contingent on anything that Abraham has done, is doing, or could ever do. Much like our salvation and our redemption is, does not hinge on anything that we can do, have done, or could do, but on Christ. And He leaves it up to us to follow and join along. 
be a part of God's story for God's glory. Because we serve a God whose glory comes from the heavenly places. And if we're doing our job, all the places will become heavenly places. If you were with us uh, last Sunday at the annual meeting, I said that communitas has to become less and less about me, less and less about whoever is up on stage, less and less about the music. You know, it, it, like, Kelly does a great job singing. It is unusual to have somebody who doesn't wear shoes when they speak. But if, if that's what you're here for, like it, it needs to become less and less about what is interesting and more and more about what is glorifying. Less and less about the circus, more and more about the Spirit. And so the le- if we make church less about us, it will become more about God. And if we make church less and less about us and more about God, the kingdom will grow. The heavenly places will extend into the deep, dark places where there is no hope. Whether that's within our, our souls or out on our streets. And we get to be a part of that. God is inviting us to join him in his redemption of the world. Some of us have seen and been in some dark and scary places and we have been delivered from that, not by our own efforts, but for God's glory. And he is inviting us to continue in that and to go back to those places and grab other people who walk in that darkness and bring them into the light. Will you join him in that story? And just as... as as, God, as Paul recognized that God had blessed the people, that same God continues to bless us with spiritual blessings, continues to give us the spiritual blessing of union in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Are you responding to that in praise? Are you speaking well of God? When you talk about your faith, is it about you know, the, the great people who sing up front is the goofy, no-shoed pastor guy? Or is it about what God is doing in and through your life? Are we living a different life and telling the story of God? Or are we telling the story of self? We get the chance to serve a God who who chooses to move toward his people, to be an active participant. He created us before the foundation of the world, had, had us and, and had communitas and the other churches in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world in mind as his number one plan to redeem the lost and dying world. And that same spirit that was alive in Paul that spread the gospel throughout Asia Minor is the same Spirit that lives within us and helps us to spread the Gospel throughout the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. So this week, you have the opportunity to eulogize God. You have the opportunity to speak well of God, to live holy and blameless, to be holy, to be, to be set apart, to be different, not for the sake of, of being weird like I did as a teenager, but for the sake of, of showing 
what God is doing in your life. A friend of mine constantly tells a story about watching a person in his church just grow and be radically transformed by the working of the Holy Spirit and just come out of all kinds of mess. And he's, he was talking with this person's dad one time and, and he said, you know, do you see what's going on in your child's life? And he said, and the dad just looked at, looked at my friend and just said, it's incredible. They don't even walk the same. So this week as we go out, may, may our walk be different. May you live holy and blameless, not because of something that you've contrived within yourself, because you receive a blessing, not a material blessing, but a spiritual blessing from the heavenly places. And when you, may you take those heavenly places and bring them to earth. And may, may the love of God radiate from you in a way that calls people to be holy and blameless. May you pray for me, or play, pray with me, and pray for me. I'll take that too. Lord, we see the way that you have blessed your people from before the foundation of the world. Not by anything that we could, could do or didn't do, hadn't done, could do, ever would do. Lord, because by your grace and by your greatness. And so, Lord, would we receive that? Would we receive your greatness and walk in it? Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue to grow us, that we would walk in unity, come to know how you've created us, why you've created us, and, in, and live out of that to generously serve and build your church, all for your glory. We have been called by the God in three persons, the God who laid the foundations of the world, who planned it all out. God, the Son who died and rose again. And God, the Spirit who, as a result of that, lives within us. Sends us an invitation to gather together and then scatter out for His glory. He's invited us to be a part of that story. So as we go out this week, may we live holy and blameless. May we walk in the grace that has been given to us. Not something that we can do, something that we can gain, but something that we have been given. And may we rejoice that we have been chosen to be a part of God's story for His glory. Thanks for coming. Join us. There are some simple carbohydrates and caffeinated beverages in the back. Hang out. Save me a donut. And go in peace.